Are you a less is more type of hostess or a more is more type of hostess? Hold that thought because today we are going to learn how the less approach can create less stress and more style. Hi there. You're listening to Happy Hostess Podcast with Christy Lalonde. I'll be sharing episodes each week to help you entertain and welcome guests into your home without all the stress. There will be guest interviews with party planning and hospitality experts that share their secrets to becoming a confident hostess. So get comfortable as we find the joy in celebrating life's big and small moments. Hello, and welcome to the 29th episode of the Happy Hostess Podcast. Before we start today, I want to give a big thank you to one of my listeners that left a review on Apple Podcast. Hadley's mama wrote, I can't wait for Tuesdays to hear each new episode. I enjoy your sweet conversations with great guests and always learn some fun new ideas. Thank you, Hadley's mama. You made my day. Five-star reviews like this really help the show, and I'm so grateful to have you as a listener. Today, I'm thrilled to have Leslie of Leslie Lair Living here, and she is going to share with us her four-step less approach to entertaining with little stress and more style. She is a lifestyle organizing and entertaining expert that helps you live your best life with less. That sounds amazing, Leslie. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here as well. The happy hostess. Thank you again. Well, Leslie, please tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and how you arrived to this place with Leslie Lair Living. Absolutely. Well, I am a professional lifestyle, entertaining, and organizing expert, and my focus is truly to help my clients and my community live their best life with less. And what that means is less clutter, less stress, living a carefree, festive life. And entertaining is a large part of that. I've always loved entertaining. I was raised by two expert entertainers. And I've carried that on. And I've learned some tricks to help people still entertain with ease and grace efficiently and effectively. Okay, well, you call yourself the go-to girlfriend for the modern-day superwoman. What led you to that tagline, and what does that really mean? You know, it's funny. I'm thankful that I had a great team that actually coined that phrase for me when they spent time learning about really what I do for my clients and my friends and my community. And that is that as a professional organizer and lifestyle expert, most of my clients are the modern day superwoman, just like yourself, somebody who has a family. They have careers inside or outside of the home. They are involved in nonprofit. They love to be a resource to a lot of people in services. And so they truly are the superwomen that are doing it all. And they want to continue to do it with grace and style. And thankfully, many of them realize they do need to turn to some experts in the area to help them because, you know, of course, even the superheroes, 
need some assistance. And so that's where the phrase came from. I am fortunate that my modern day super women turned to me to help them not only with organizing their physical life, but also help them with special occasions, maybe planning an outfit for an event, or even just the simplest recommendations from travel, restaurants, dining, you name it. I get calls and texts regularly with questions on the perfect gift, et cetera. And so that's really where the the phrase came from. Well, what do you think first drew your interest to these things like entertaining and lifestyle living? I think it's just always been in me. My parents have beautiful taste and exposed me to the art of creating something beautiful out of vintage, whether it be homes that they've renovated over the years, furnishings, taking abstract pieces and actually making them into something usable, incorporating them into architecture or decor. And I've, I've, I learned from them. I started at a young age to truly apply it in my life when I received, it was actually a custom dollhouse that we still have. It's at my parents' home in Atlanta. And my father made it to replicate the home we lived in. And I spent hours playing with that dollhouse, decorating it, elevating the store-bought furnishings with (laughs) new curtains that I made myself. I would make faux floral arrangements with just things that I found, paper flowers I would bake. I really spent more time playing with my dollhouse, actually decorating it and rearranging the furniture than playing with the the family that lived in the dollhouse. And so I think that was always in me. I've always enjoyed decor and design and that organizing has been a part of that. I'm a minimalist. I call my behavior I'm I'm passionate about order and having things in its proper place. And I know that stems a lot from just the way I was raised, which is always place the items where you found it. It just elevates your mood. It helps you live a more productive life. And it truly is more of an emotional connection than it is the physical. When you live in a space that's clutter-free, it really does help you achieve so much more than just order. Yes, you save a lot of time looking, not looking for things like I do often. <laughs> if right. I know exactly where everything is. Time and money. I find that that really goes hand in hand because most of my clients who bring me in and trust me to organize their physical items, there is a trend that you tend to purchase more when you don't realize you already have it. And therefore, items go expired, you have excess. And when you do have a system in place, then you're not over-purchasing. And in the end, you do you do save money, which is a blessing. Yes, that is a certainty. When I go through my organized phases, I definitely notice that. That I'm not just buying something because I don't want to look for it. Like, right. It's almost like a panic reaction I think we experience especially when we're at the grocery store and you're nervous that, oh my goodness, do we have that back home? And will I have the time to come return to the store? And so there's that fear of not having it or running out. 
Yet, if you actually have a thorough understanding of what you have before going to the store, then you do save. And that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> <laughs> the life of organizing that I can share. Well, we'll have to have you come back and we can talk about that. Thank you. Now, you mentioned that you have two parents that entertained a lot. What did that look like growing up? You know, for them, what I love is that they taught me how to have confidence in being gracious host at any given time, at a spur of a moment. I can remember the times where there was a lot of preparation and care for a special event. And it's a very, or for my parents, and they still to this day have legal pads that they write all their lists down, yellow legal pads. There's a special drawer in their kitchen. <laughs> and there's, <laughs> I mean, before you go to the store, grab the yellow legal pad. And so I learned the art of a more elevated approach. But then I could remember when I was in high school and it's a Saturday and I didn't have plans and my parents would say, oh my goodness, pick up the phone, call your friends, we'll grill out at the pool, have your friends over, we'll make, you know, hamburgers, serve potato chips, potato salad. And it was impromptu and they made it look so easy and effortless. And it helped me realize that you can approach entertaining in so many ways and in the end, if your focus is just to gather people together to spend time and have a great time, really that's the most important part of entertaining. And I'm blessed that I had that experience and two people who really taught me the art of enjoying throwing together last minute details so people can have a good time. That is wonderful. And they were probably able to do last minute things because they were organized in general. <laughs> Absolutely. And they made it look easy. There wasn't the stress. I mean, we we lived in an area that it wasn't as easy to get to the, your local grocery store within five minutes. We lived in an area with lots of hills where it it's a 15-minute drive to the grocery store. And so what I learned is, oh my goodness, use what you have. Don't be afraid to make a pasta salad or a toss salad with the items that you already have. You can still make things look beautiful with the pieces that you entertain with. Even if it's a pool party, still use those pretty pieces. Put the potato chips in a nice bowl. If you have run out of paper napkins, you can use your fabric napkins outdoors. Just enjoy creating this experience versus that last minute stress. And I think that's what I've learned over the years prevents many people from even coming up with the idea of entertaining or inviting people over last minute is the fear of, oh my goodness, what if I can't execute that? Right. That's, it's just a great mindset shift right. there. I'd love that. Remember the story that, was it the rock soup? Yes, stone soup. Stone soup, thank you. When you are in a situation where creativity is what you need to rely on, trust me, you can make anything happen. Even if it's, you know, asking somebody for guests, hey, make a salad, bring it on over. It, you can make a beautiful meal. And I think that stone soup is a great example. Like they were very creative to create a soup that was very tasty. 
<laughs> yes. I never thought that book would come up in one of our podcasts, but <laughs> I, it was definitely one of our childhood favorites. <laughs> okay, so, but now, what type of entertaining do you prefer? Small parties, larger gatherings? I, that's such a great question. You know, we were t- talking before this podcast started how I am preparing for a large event for a special occasion for my family. And those are so fun. I love those larger events because I get to see more guests that typically I'm not seeing on a regular basis. And so I love that energy. I love that they tend to be a little bit more casual with the flow and not as structured with timing. At least that's the way I arrange it to make it more effortless. I make sure that a larger event has more of a buffet style, that it's not requiring my hands to be involved every detail of the event during the party. So I do love the large events for that reason and to be able to come up with different solutions for gathering spots and you know, using high tables for standing and placing your drink in plate versus a seated, elegant table setting. So I love that. I love coming up with the creative solutions for a larger event. However, as I've gotten older, I find that I appreciate more the intimate settings because I get to spend more quality time with my guests and make the event more special for them. And so that being said, typically a dinner or a brunch for 10 guests or less is one of my favorites. It is so fun planning parties. I think I enjoy the planning part of large parties more. But the actual events, I usually enjoy the smaller gatherings, just like I did. Well, because you actually get to, I feel like you, you do have the opportunity to demonstrate being a more gracious hostess because you're actually having quality one-on-one time with your guests and sitting down and having conversation as a group, which I love, versus when it is larger as a hostess, you are wanting to be the hostess with the mostest. So you're running around to greet everyone and your conversations tend to be shorter and brief because you're going on to the next thing. So that's the only reason why I think for me, I appreciate the smaller ones is because I get more time with each person. Yes. Now, how did you come up with the name of your four-step system, Entertaining with Less? Okay, so I'm a big four-step process person in general. I find that with my client and when I put tips together, four steps just naturally has always worked for me. And because of my business, Less, Living Your Best Life with Less, it made to have a little play on words, but it is the way I apply how I approach entertaining. And it's actually the same four steps that I use for organizing and even packing. And when we go through it, you can see how it can relate by just simply adapting a few of the subtle details that might be more, you know, appropriate for packing, for example. However, I just realized this is a a simple way for people to remember and to just take a moment and just 
put together a plan before just jumping in and start over purchasing. And I think that's what we find many, many people experience when they're planning an event or a smaller party is that you immediately go to the stores. And I, because I'm all about using things that we already have, I just wanted to come up with a way for those people to realize, let's just take a, a moment, pause, and see what we really need versus what we feel like we need to go out and purchase. And let's just establish with the entertaining with less, it is L-E-S-S. That's correct. And let's start with that first step then, the L for list. What all do we need to include on that list? So the key to entertaining effortlessly is to follow the less approach. And so L-E-S-S is the less approach and L stands for the list. So when you first have a date in mind for hosting, my recommendation is to just sit down for a moment and write out a list. In that list, I recommend that you set goals, you create a theme, you form a guest list, and you begin the event details during this process. And to kind of expand on the theme, what I mean by that is if it's the summer and you're going to be entertaining outside, maybe your theme will be corn because fresh corn is in season. And so you know that everything is going to go around corn. If it's steaks, hamburgers, chicken, vegetarian, you just have something in mind that's going to kind of dictate what your theme or kind of what you're going to experience. Last year, I hosted an event and we had this beautiful print that had cherries on it and it happened to be cherry season. So that helped me create a theme. The theme was cherries. So I had gingham and cherry fabric and then we had fresh cherries and that I, I played with cocktails and the menu incorporating the theme. So I wanted to share that because that kind of my school of thought during this process is to kind of think of something that could be, that could help you carry through planning. Yes, when you have a theme, it just makes your decisions so much easier because it's already narrowed down for you in a direction and you don't have to choose from yeah, a myriad of choices. Absolutely. And I'll use cherries as an example. If you're choosing cherries, hues of red in some of your, you know, selections as you're setting the table or you're picking some florals. And so just to keep it effortless, I highly recommend that to guide you. And then once you put that list together and you set the date, you've put together the guest list, which will help you, as we discussed, to decide is this going to be an intimate dinner or event, or will it be a larger? All of that's taken care of during the L section of your approach. And then following that is the E, and that's to evaluate. And this to me is the most important process. I love when my community follows this and they realize, oh my goodness, this is where we determine what we already have in our inventory. For example, when you evaluate what you have for the event, you realize in this phase, oh my goodness, I have a stack of cocktail napkins that I picked up 
that would be perfect. And I already have them. I can use these serving platters that I haven't used in a while, but they would be perfect for the event. This is where you'll decide if you're going to use some linens you already have, the table, you know, the tablecloth, if you're going to use ice buckets. This is the evaluation phase where you truly are shopping in your own home and realize what you'll use, write it down to make it easy, and you'll find that there's a joy in being able to use pieces that you already own in a fresh new way while being a hostess. And then during this phase, it's obvious that you realize, okay, this is when I can truly write down what I now need. Now that I've identified what I'll be using, don't forget to look through your overstock flow. Just as a side note, many of us have our pantry area in our kitchen with all of our daily essentials, but you might have another location where you keep overflow. I just recommend, even if it's seasonal, don't forget to take a look in there because you will you'll be surprised to find what is hiding in there that could be used for decor or tabletop. And then last but not least, consider what the season is. I love to incorporate during the evaluation phase, natural elements, natural flowers, seasonal goods that are available that might even be in your own backyard that you can use while hostessing this event. And then that leads you to the menu. If you do choose, for example, I hosted in the fall, it was a, a party based on the perfect pear. And so it was fall and pears were in season. And I had the Joe Malone fragrance that has Regio scent mixed with English pear. And we used pear as the theme. And pears were not only a part of the menu, but I used them on the tabletop. And that just helped me kind of guide my menu and my decor theme. The perfect pear, that is the cutest <laughs> theme. And it's so fun because pears come in that gorgeous green hue, but they also have that pretty, it, it's almost an apricot with touches of red. And the colors were so glorious. And then the, the fragrant with the scented candles, it was so lovely for fall. It was kind of a different spin on your traditional fall theme, but everything was based on the pear. The pear was the theme. It started in the L portion of my approach. And then as we go through, next is S, the first S, and that's a system. And the system is so important because it just helps you stay on top of things without getting stressed. And you create a system that works for you. So what might work for you might be keeping that list in paper and just crossing it off as you go through. It might be putting it on your calendar to remind you, hey, we're you know two weeks ahead of the event. So I'm going to make sure to order the following. You know, whatever system works for you as you organize your daily routines, really identify what is best for you to create that system. And it could mean that you're setting pieces aside in advance. Maybe you have storage space in your garage. So as you're picking up beverages, putting it aside, and making sure you have 
all of your essentials for the event. It could be that you have it all planned to pick it up the day of. This is where you really fine-tune it through the system process. Identify what can be delegated. This is so important because I think that many of us, especially super people, take on a lot of responsibilities themselves and they're capable 100% of being able to execute on their own. But there are times when you need to turn to experts or friends to help. And these people are happy to help you. So please consider what can be delegated and where you might need assistance. And the assistance could be as simple as assigning someone to help with a dish for the event. I find that with a lot of, I have a supper club and we get together every other month. And so traditionally the host prepares the main course and then we'll assign two appetizers for someone to volunteer to bring an appetizer. Somebody will bring a dessert. Maybe it brings three of your favorite red wines. I love it because guests want to bring something and help. And it empowers the hostess to be able to truly check that item off their list and just focus on the entree and setting up for the event. And it just helps them be more effortless in the way they approach entertaining. It could also be, if needed, that you have to turn to a professional and possibly it's a bartender helping you manage the bar or ordering from your favorite spot that makes delicious sides that you can have already prepared and put into your beautiful serving pieces. Or possibly someone, and it could even be your, you know, members of your own family. My daughter and her friends at times come and help us as we're preparing or even during cleanup. And it's just one extra set of hands or hands, multiple hands, that are there to help make the hostess life easier so that they can truly enjoy the moment and spend time with their guests. That's such good advice. And we do tend to want to do it all, but, and we could do it all, but we're most likely not going to enjoy the moment if we are taking care of everything. Absolutely. And I have Big when during the system, this is an area I know Christy and I had talked before about. I think it's important for us to remember when we're preparing an event or a party, or just even if it's a lovely dinner for a small group as a host, what is your favorite part of hosting? And stick to that. For me, I love the details, setting the, whether it be the table in the bar, creating the theme. I love that. I love for my guests to notice the details and realize that I put thought in special items. Sometimes they're surprises specific for my guests because I want them to realize that that time that we're spending together for me, it means so much. It's, you know, it's something I cherish. And where I'm not as joyful in sharing at the hostess is making muffins and baking baking in general i love i have some great resources some bakers here that help me from side bread to lovely desserts i love to make certain side dishes 
However, there might be something like mashed potatoes. I have not ever become an expert in that field. However, there's a great restaurant that makes this family side mashed potatoes dish. And they also make wonderful other potato dishes that I can order in advance, have them being heated in the oven and serve them. They taste so much better than I would have made them. And so it's just, I guess my point in this is that just know what you love to do and be okay with the fact that you could be a great hostess without being an amazing chef or pastry artist or mixologist with the bar. You don't need to be an expert at everything and that's okay. And then finally, my final S is really my favorite part, which is the styling. And that's really where all of the magic for me comes together. And I know you had mentioned, Christy, that for you actually creating the plan, the list phase is one of your favorites. I get so much joy when my idea that I had during the list phase is actually being executed and where my vision is coming to reality is really where I get giddy and those of my friends, clients, and family that are listening have seen me just like, I get so excited <laughs> because it's actually coming together. And so I love this phase. And as part of the S phase, the final S phase is really, this is where you're realizing, okay, if the event's on Saturday, are you going to be able to set the table the day before? Or if you have out-of-town guests, will you be using that table? These are just things to consider during the style phase. And the reason why I bring that up is that some tricks I have is if you cannot set and style a day or two in advance, then possibly designate an area where you can have everything that you need to set the, set the buffet or the table ready to go. So I'll stack plates in my office with the linens, the utensils, the platters, the place cards. Everything might be in one designated area so that if I only have an hour to set the table, I can do it quickly. And it's still going to be beautiful because I took that step in my process to just consider how I can execute the style phase. And this is where the little details come into hand. So for example, this is where I consider the, if I'm making a, a formal place card or possibly a playful place card with a pair and then just tacking with a pearl pen someone's name. It might be something as fun as spelling out someone's name with a game tile that just as a playful, casual evening. I I just love to include play settings or place cards because I think it helps even for the most casual event. It does. And all of those examples that you gave, it's adding that element that I think is fun and kind of important is just something unexpected, like, oh, like that you wouldn't have expected to see. It just adds so much punch and personality. Thank you for that. And even if it's something as fun as you're having, you're ordering pizza from your favorite restaurant in salad, you're just taking out the, you know, the items from the boxes, still set the table and maybe you're going to have small Italian sodas at everyone's place setting with a straw. 
It's so fun. And it just adds to the theme and it surprises your guests. And if I do something even as simple as that, and maybe I have a variety of flavors, then what I might ask my guests is instead of having an assigned seat, I will ask them to pick their seat based on their favorite flavor. And then that opens up the conversation at the table. Okay, why did you choose the blueberry or the, you know, the grape? And it just is a great way to bring everyone together. I've done for Valentine, I had a, a group of friends were in town and it just happened to be right before Valentine's Day. And I picked up some of the old fashioned heart candies that I set out on top of the plates with a variety of just fun sayings. And I asked each guest to just choose based on which one of the sayings represent their personality. And it was just fun. You know, even the men just got such a kick out of, you know, some of those old-fashioned things are just so cute and just charming. And it it just helps lighten the mood and, again, just in, have a gracious time. That is so fun. I've not heard that before. And I really like it because you are killing two birds with one stone. You're creating a seating assignment. They don't feel anxious because they don't know where to sit. They get to choose. Then you have a conversation starter. The reason why these little creative ways of assigning a seat, even to the more traditional, which is actually writing the name, part of my whole mission, which is effortless entertaining. And I think all of us have experienced that little fear when you approach a table and there isn't an assigned seat. And then there's just that, oh my goodness, where should I seat set? Are we doing the traditional, you know, alternating house or, you know, by every other, you, there's so much thought for even the guests to consider, do I sit down now? Do I wait? Oh my goodness, where, you know, is the host going to sit at the head of the table? And so it just eliminates that whole situation by just planning ahead and just, Doing something as simple as, you know, a candy or a beverage or a little bit more elevated with the traditional place card. Now, looking at your Instagram and your social media and your website, it is obvious you have are very talented with design and making things beautiful. How would you define your personal style when it comes to entertaining? Where do you find your inspiration? You know, thank you for your kind word. My personal style is definitely timeless with a pop of personality. And that's how I approach everything from decor, fashion, and entertaining. And so I draw my inspiration really from what, where I am at the time. So if we're here in the home, I'm pulling from the colors that are in our home, the pieces that I love. I'm not afraid to take ginger jars that are on a shelf and use them on a tabletop to decorate. I really love to pull from the pieces that I have and that I love. And then I put a pop of personality with some modern products. I mix high and low. But I think if you were to look at anything out of my Instagram. There should be something blue because I am passionate about blue. And I'm hopeful that you can see that because I love to laugh and love just that pop of personality, I hope you can see it 
physically and just pops of vibrant colors or maybe a fun coffee table book or a little D table on the table that is unexpected. That to me is, I think, my style in a nutshell. What would you say hospitality really means to you? Goodness, I love this question because we say it so often, don't we? Gracious hospitality. What's it, but what does that really mean? For me, hospitality means having a graceful approach and a friendly manner for your guests to receive when they come into your home or if you're the assigned hostess at a location offsite. Making them feel loved, appreciated, and welcomed. And why is it important for you, your family, like when it comes to inviting guests over? Oh my goodness. For me, I think there's nothing more, I just, I guess, connecting with one another than actually spending one-on-one personal time together. That's so rare today to actually see the other person outside of, you know, technology or a text. And so having them in your home, I think most guests today feel almost honored to be welcomed into someone's home, especially someone that they may not be as close with as family members, because we live in such a fast-paced society. I think having someone coming in and truly welcoming them, treating them to tea, coffee, a little light bite is such a, I know for as a hostess and what I learned from my family is that it, it's such an honor to be able to even be able to put something together to make someone feel at ease and have them in their home. And so it's just it's such an important part of how I've been raised and hopefully how I'm raising my family is to always think of having the door open. Anyone is welcome. There's always a table at the seat, even if it's the high top stool at the counter. <laughs> Always make people feel appreciated and wanted and welcomed is just a golden rule that I was raised with. And I think it's as simple as just applying that to being a host or hostess and just offering, you know, welcoming, gracious thoughts as people come into your home. You're so right. It is it is really rare, it seems, these days. And people really are flattered when you invite someone into your home these days. Right? Isn't it? I mean, and imagine when you consider the way our grandparents were raised. That was just a given. Someone's coming over. They're just going to pop on by. And now when one of my friends is in the neighborhood and they, you know, my goodness, can I pop on by? Like, I am excited because normally it's a quick text. Hey, I thought of you. I was driving in the neighborhood, but I had to go. You know, I love it when someone pops by and as a hostess, hey, I'll say, I've got some, you know, I've got some sparkling waters in the fridge or I'll run and get Starbucks and have it for you when you get there. It's at times, it's almost surprising how happy the guest is. Sit down at the counter have a cup of tea or coffee and just actually sit down and chat. It's just, I think it's just so rare. And I just love that. I love the fact, Christy, that you are, you have a podcast 
focused on hostessing because I think that we're seeing a trend in putting get-togethers together and having people in your home and celebrating that art. We're going to see more of it. And I'm just so excited about it. I am so excited too. I really hope that you are correct because we need it. We really need it right now. We do. And I think what you're doing with your podcast is allowing and empowering individuals to realize a host can be on a grand scale, but it can just be as simple as a one-on-one, come on over, I'm going to have some muffins and some tea and coffee. And it could be so simple, or it could even be, I'm picking up bagels in Starbucks. Come on over for, you know, let's get together. Even if it's only 30 minutes long, you're still able to be a gracious hostess, no matter the scale, the timeline, the length of preparation, you can still be a gracious host and still welcome those individuals into your home and, and spend that quality time together. People that are just starting out, what advice would you give to the new hostess? Okay, I'm going to give you the So this is what my mom taught me when I was first starting out. And that, well, part of it is takeout. <laughs> <laughs> but I, would, I mean, for the first few years when I was first married, every guest who was a return guest probably thought I was obsessed with honey baked hams. <laughs> I was like, this is what you do. You order a honey baked ham, pick up the roll. It's the perfect dish that you can serve at any time. And I think of that and I'm only laughing because I think I've carried that on, which is make it effortless and, and consider what you really enjoy doing and what your focus can be. So for the new hostess or host, think about what the occasion is. Think about what you have what you are able to put together and then put your plan in, you know, in order. And if you're first starting out and you might not have the plate or the serviceware, there's tremendous companies that are making paper products and, and reusable plastic that are so chic and stylish and affordable that you can invest in, not only are you able to create an environment that's so welcoming and stylish, but if it's the disposable version, it's a quick, effortless cleanup. So I think for that new hostess, just really identify what it is that you want to achieve and then just jump in and don't be afraid to make mistakes. Ask for help. Think outside of the box. You know, just enjoy your time and remember, I mean, I've always said this, a happy hostess really dictates the feeling that a guest has when they come into the room. So whatever that means to you, if it means that everything's going to be takeout and disposable products so that you can truly enjoy yourself and that you can be happy, that's what's going to make the memory when you're worried and stressed and the guest arrives, they can feel that. And so a gracious host is a happy host. And I hope that a new host or hostess will consider what that means to them and jump in and enjoy the art of entertaining and being a gracious host. 
That's perfect. Well, things can often go awry when we do have guests over. And I love to have my guests share a time that maybe things didn't go exactly as you wanted. Oh, that's just so good. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay, this story. Okay, so what we've now, everyone has learned that I'm not the best cook or chef. (laughs) And I'm going to be completely honest. And for those of you who have followed me, you, you know that you know, my parents, I, I'm blessed that my parents and my in-laws are big entertainers. I mean, so much so that I've been married now for 26 years and I didn't have my own Thanksgiving that I actually had the family come to my house and was responsible for purchasing all of the <laughs> ingredients until eight years ago here in Phoenix when we had first moved to Phoenix. And the reason why I'm sharing that is because I picked up, you know, the turkey, the potatoes, like every family member gave me the ingredients that they needed because, of course, they were going to prepare it. But I was in charge of having everything ready for them. And my parents flew in from Atlanta. And the first thing my dad did, because they were in charge of actually preparing the turkey the way they love to cook it. And my dad, I had just picked up this organic big turkey from Whole Foods. And I, it's two days before Thanksgiving. My dad opens up the refrigerator and he's like, where's the turkey? And I'm like, oh, I put it in the freezer. Isn't that where you're supposed to put it? And (laughs) (laughs) my dad's panicked and I didn't understand why he's like, lovely. Do you know how long it's going to take us to (laughs) like this huge turkey? I'm like, is that don't you usually? I feel like you just in the past you took it out, and so so the turkey was frozen. I mean, my hair had starts like panicked, googling how to defrost the twenty pound turkey, and I'm just like, I'll just go back to the store and return it. And they're like, they're not going to a turkey, <laughs> and I mean, in their mind, Thanksgiving was ruined, right? Like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? There's no turkeys. And I honestly, I mean, it's embarrassing because I'm now in my 50s. So this was in my 40s. And so this is what I did, Christy. So I, because my friends were like, no, you're not going to return it. We'll figure this out. I woke up early the next day. I took that turkey, lugged it back to the store. I go to the customer service department and the woman is just like, hold, please, you know, gets the manager. And I'm explaining to the manager, who's so lovely, I know I should know this, not to put a fresh, brand new turkey into the freezer, but I didn't, I don't know this. Like, I didn't know this. I should know it. And so he's just looking at me, like, he's trying so hard not to laugh at me. I am completely, I mean, he's trying so hard. And then he comes and he's like, come with me. I'm like, I'm going to buy a new turkey. You know, like he's, let me help you pick one out. Because at this point, he probably does not trust me to even pick out a turkey. And so he picks out another beautiful one. And I'm like, you know, can you, can I, can I return? I'm like, I'll buy a new one, but can you take this? I mean, I'm not going to need this turkey after my parents leave because I will not make a turkey. And he's just looking at me laughing. And then the sweet manager put a sticker on it and it, he's like, you, this is on us. Oh. And I'm like, there's no way I can, no, please. 
And I said, please take my, you know, I'm still like, no, this is not us. This may have been the funniest thing I've ever heard. Oh. And and he's like, and you must take that turkey home because we can't accept the turkey. They get home, fresh turkey. We save the day. But Christy, the best part of the story is that that manager is still the manager at our Whole Foods. And every Thanksgiving, around Thanksgiving, I see him. And the first year I waved because, I mean, if you know me personally, this is totally something I would, you know, I do. Do you remember me? I'm the turkey lady. He's like, oh, yes, we know you. I I just had the employee meeting this morning prepping for Thanksgiving and you are the topic. (laughs) To make sure I'm going off this. And so every year, I just thought it was so funny. Just, I mean, just this year, he thought, he's like, please tell me you're not making Thanksgiving. Like, no, <laughs> no. going out of town. And, I mean, I think there's a picture of me behind the door. <laughs> I never sell a turkey to this woman. But it's a bad story. We share every Thanksgiving. And truthfully, what it's done is everyone I tell the story, they're just like, oh, my goodness. We want to support that business. They're so thoughtful. I mean, I have tears because I thought I ruined giving. And uh, it was just one of those things. It just, it happens. And I guess my friends, there is always a solution. And you've got to just laugh through that stress because I can tell my art table as all of the family came in from out of town, I think they're still, if you even ask them about the turkey, Leslie's turkey incident, they will bust up. <sighs> but that, I mean, it happened. It happened. Just own it and come up with a solution. There's always going to be something that doesn't come out as planned and it might not be you who <laughs> done it. It might be someone else. But there's always a way around it. And the truth is, it makes the host that's more human because we've all had situations that have happened. And I think if you can laugh at it, it's probably one of the best shows in entertaining. And that's why I always ask this question, because it's always so memorable. And I'll say about 50% of the time when I ask this question, it involves a turkey at Thanksgiving. Really? Yes. Oh my gosh, I love that. Have there been any dog? I've heard of dogs, the turkey getting consumed by our furry family members. I don't remember anyone saying that on the podcast, but I do remember in my own home, my dog who did not eat human food devouring a piece of a birthday cake. Oh no. Before it was cut, you know, like. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But isn't that, I mean, there's always going to, for anyone out there, and we can all relate, right? Because we've all had it. But even for those that are entering the art of entertaining, I guess the lesson that we should share is that there will always be something that was well thought out that doesn't come to fruition or executed the way we had hoped. And that's okay. That's true. And your Thanksgiving turned out just fine. <laughs> and I'm a local <laughs> celebrity. <laughs> celebrity. And our local 
store around Thanksgiving. It's almost like, where's Waldo? I think <laughs> as Thanksgiving comes around, they look for the crazy lady, <laughs> the crazy turkey lady. So that's me. So that's, that's my long-winded story. Well, are you ready for the speed round? Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite flower? Peonies. Oh, I love those too. Name a food you hate. Oh, this is going to upset some people. I just, for flavor, anything that's cute, for some reason, I don't enjoy. So that includes lamb and duck and rabbit. What's your favorite holiday? I love it. And this is the ironic, but I love Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> but for the record, it's not, the, it's not even the, I'm not a big fan of Thanksgiving menu. I, we've, I just love having time to spend with those we enjoy, our friends and family, and, and taking a moment to be thankful. Do you have a pet peeve? Yes. And that is, it's really those unauthenticity in behavior. So just not being authentic. And I'm not sure that you're going to have one of these, but do you have a favorite cookbook? Okay, that's so funny that you say that because I traditionally, I didn't have cookbooks, but I do have two great cookbooks and they're actually, they're new cookbooks from my friend and they're called Meals That Heal. So anyone who's out there that might know Carolyn Williams, she has two books and they're, it's a, it's more than just a cookbook. It also just explains the value of food and how it affects different illnesses and how we, how our body responds to it. That sounds like an interesting one. It I mean, is. It's, oh, they're so weak. And, and her, her, her recipes are 30 minutes and less. Nice. So it's all anti-inflammatory ingredients, things that are easily accessible, that are delicious, but it just helps you truly become more mindful in what you're putting together for menus and recipes. I'm definitely finding that one. Now, please tell us where everyone can find you on social media and then internet, all the places. Okay. I am on Instagram and TikTok. My handle is Leslie Lair Living. I also have a website, lesliliverliving.com. If you visit either of those, you'll see other ways to reach me. I love hearing from people receiving questions. And I hope that my content and my messages are inspiring you to live your best life with love. Well, Leslie, I know our listeners learned so much today. You managed to give us so much value in such a short amount of time. I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled for you, Christy. And I'm so excited about this podcast for you. Thank you. It's been so much fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Happy Hostess Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review it on your podcast app. It would mean the world to me. If you need links for anything mentioned during this episode, head over to happyhostesscollective.com and you'll find them in the show notes. A new episode comes out every Tuesday, and I can't wait for you to tune in next time. Until then, have a great week.